And welcome back to Fully Equipped, a live edition from <laughs> of all places, Jeans Pad. Mr. Robot, I got to say this now, boys. Gene, the robot money must be pretty good because this is one of the <laughs> nicest spots in San Diego. You're, you're doing pretty well here. Shh. You weren't <laughs> supposed to tell anybody. Now you just let the secret out. I'm actually secretly living in my mother's basement. Don't tell is, anybody. I just borrowed this place for the day. I promise. As as we are sitting here, just to give those of you who are listening to the pod and, and not watching, we're actually, uh, producer Mark is recording this one. I'm looking down behind me. I've got the bay here. You can see some of the ships out on the water. To my right, I can see down here. You got the Padres fans going to a game tonight. Yeah, this is a proper setup. RB. This, I mean, what's the weather like right now in Toronto? Is this better it's, than Toronto weather? It's hot. It's humid. It's I would say it's a little bit hotter than this, but there, like, there's a lot more humidity. Yeah. And the one thing I said to Gene, I know he's already like teed up for this one, but like I've stepped off planes in San Diego a number of times in the last couple of years. Let's say over the last three years in, in November, in January, in February for different product launches and different OEMs. And every single time I step out of that, like the the baggage claim at San Diego Airport, and I go five minutes in, I go, this is this is why people in California are just smug assholes. <laughs> because like I understand why they never want to leave. And I was like, touche, you have me folder rights on that one. I got I, I walk I walked straight out. I was gonna I was actually gonna walk downtown. I was like, okay, it's like probably an hour and a bit and i thought okay it's, it's probably best to get an uber got an uber down to like where we are which is like probably a few minutes from the stadium we're we're as you said jonathan we're like a couple minutes from like the midway uh the old aircraft carrier the historical aircraft carrier here in the san diego harbor and uh, man like first thing i did was go to like little italy and like crush a couple slices of pizza okay now how's the pizza here it's good like as you know like i hit detroit style pizza uh, when we were in Connecticut, I, w- I found like a wood-fired pizza joint. Uh, th- I have never found a pizza joint that I didn't like. So this was pretty good. Well, uh, the, the other thing about San Diego, not to completely rub it in, but you can get 15 different styles of pizza. That's the other crazy thing. Like everybody's – You shouldn't you- have told him that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now he's going to want to go try all of them. Well, I walked by. I didn't realize too. I was walking up um, – like India Street, like kind of just before I hit Little Italy, there was a there was like a farmers market, yep. which is pretty unusual when you think of like the uh, middle of the week, right? For yep. a far, like for where I am from, like you only see farmers markets either like Thursday, Friday, or like on the weekend. And there was a taco truck, there was a burrito truck, there was a vegan truck, there was a donut truck, and I'm like, I need to stop. <laughs> okay, we need to keep we need to keep walking up the street to like the actual destination, or else I'm never gonna make it. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna crush donuts, I'm gonna crush a burrito, I'm gonna have a nap. And I'm already like jet lagged, so like this is not a good idea. Yeah. You you started your day as we're recording this, I think you started your day yesterday. Do you want you don't want me to run through the whole thing, do you? I mean you 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 basically were at the airport at what, midnight in Toronto? So right right now we are recording at uh almost six o'clock. West Coast time, yeah. So nine o'clock, my own personal like East Coast time. I'm surprised that you're actually even awake right now. You, well, he's fueled by beer. He's running. That, no, that, no, that, we do have alcohol here. <laughs> well, so. I, have, I have, I have, I have two young children, so I'm used to no, not a lot of sleep, and I found some very good coffee spots actually along the way, which has been very nice. Um, but it's for those who like you know the Toronto Airport is not known for like be, being very. Um, let's say organized that's a nice way to put it so because of the way security and everything opened up i left my house at midnight east coast time got to the airport at two o'clock waited for 90 minutes got to security at four o'clock got through customs at 4 30 waited an hour got on my very early flight to atlanta uh got the old layover slept the entire way from Atlanta to San Diego. Of course you did. She so got a nice little nap, got here, had a nice little nap. And that kind of like have, as so far with a couple drinks, a couple coffees, it's completely killed the jet lag. And I am, I'm ready to talk gear. I'm ready to talk this week. There is so much stuff going on. It's hard to keep track of. And hopefully later this evening, 
maybe Mark and I, our producer, will go catch a Padres game. We'll see. Yeah, that's uh, li- living the life. Yeah, we are, we are not just here to try and catch a Padres game and drink beer out on Gene's patio. There, there is gear going on, but I got to say, <laughs> RB posted something on his on his Instagram account that that made me laugh out loud. Literally laugh out loud. It, 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 it takes a lot these days for, for that to happen. But you posted – so there's the meme of the lady – and the little girl in the pool, and then the little boy next to them who looks like he's drowning almost, like his head's just kind of peeking out above the water. And the way you set it up was like live in the PGA Tour, the general public, like that's all it seems anybody cares about this week. Then you've got like the LPGA, they've got a major going on, Women's, Women's British Open, and then below it was a guy in uh, I should say a guy a skeleton underneath the water in a chair and it was like hey do you care about you you want to read about a new shaft that's coming out (laughs) and it was just like it made me laugh because that's how I feel like like in right now is when I post stuff online gear related I do wonder sometimes like is anybody reading this does anybody care about gear because all all anybody seems to be talking about right now is live in the PGA Tour yeah, the the oxygen in the room is is clearly being taken up by Liv, which in in our circum like in in what we do is is in in some ways can be very frustrating because you know equipment is what helps the regular golfer is how I like to phrase it. I think that's that's the biggest takeaway here is the fact that anything that that is equipment related is it's always helpful to the best players in the world but it's it's most relatable to the, to the regular golfer and when when all of that information is being taken up by things that don't necessarily affect the regular golfer it's hard to get that information out to the people that it's going to help the most and the best way i can i can really compartmentalize that is this past week, I was playing. I had one of the new Ping Chippers in the bag with me, which was fun. Which shout out to to Peter Ping. They got me one of these these samples, and it was fun to take out to the golf course. Like that's the thing. Like, and what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, I'm not a fancy country club kid. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but I play with regular golfers. I show up to like my local muni, and I play with people that they hook me up with. Yep. And I played with a couple. And I had this thing in the bag, and about no, like halfway through, about nine holes, I was like, "Hey, I noticed you're like struggling. Like, just so you know, like I work in golf equipment, and I have this thing with me. Do, do you, you know who I am? I, I didn't do and that. I, and like, I talk about it incessantly, no, and, I, no, and I'm sh- convinced it's the Holy was, Grail. And <laughs> shout out, shout out to like all the people that listen to Fully Equipped. Like, I can definitely go through an airport, a mall. <laughs> Basically, anywhere through my entire existence in my regular life, and no one gives two craps about who the heck I am, which is great. So I'm playing with this couple. They are they're very nice. They're both like mid to high handicappers. And I said, Do you guys want to try this golf club? Like it literally just came out and like I'm messing around with it. Like and they, they didn't even ask any questions, like, sure, like we'd like to like try it. So like they used it around the golf course. They're like, This is kind of fun. And that's where I think like the idea of what golf equipment does for the regular golfer is is really lost right now because there are all these like cool little innovative products and you know we are here to go check out the new Titleist TSR product it's not a lot like it's no there's no veil to be un- like to be unveiled here like that's why we're here we've talked about it on social media that we are here to go go through the fitting process for it and there are other, there are new wedges coming out. There's some new shafts that you spot on the PGA Tour. There's all these like different things, but is the regular golfer like really tuning into this? And I asked, like, which was interesting. Like, in in my position in golf journalism as a whole, I would not, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I am a big J journalist at this point. Like, shout out to like the whole rest of our crew, which is ex- are extremely talented in everything that they do. But I asked the people that I golf with these these same people that tried this chipper out. And I said. Do you, do you guys pay attention to like pro golf? Like, how do you like take this in? And they said, "Oh, you mean like the golf league that was at the Donald Trump course?" And I was like, "Yes." Like, I don't, I don't, like, I'm not. I'm just trying to understand how the regular golfer is consuming this thing. And like, 
they are seeing this as like this big divide in golf. But as far as equipment is concerned, like we are here trying to help you play better golf. Professional golf and regular golf are two completely different things. And I think as myself, as someone who is just here to help the regular golfer understand equipment and play better golf and the other stuff is up to other people to like kind of figure out. Well, and you know, to, to follow up on that point, and we talked about it earlier, what's interesting is it appears, and this is just my perception, I have no information to back it up, that the guys playing on the Live Tour right now, they're not as hungry as they were on the PGA Tour. On the PGA Tour, it's Darwinian. It is a kill or be killed. And what's the statistic that if you shave one stroke off a round, you go from top 50 to top 20? Yeah. I mean, it's just the, the, the line between success and failure is so incredibly tight that equipment and equipment changes are so critical to the process because if this driver shaft, if this hybrid, if this putter gains that half a stroke or one stroke, suddenly they're in the top 20. Suddenly they're in a completely different economic zone than they were. When you just got $100 million in your pocket, you're like, eh, if I win, I win. And you could shoot 80 and your team wins and you win $5 million. So like suddenly all of the incentives that have made golfers some of the most insecure neurotic athletes on the planet because they had to succeed week in and week out regardless of what your contract was if you're not winning if you're not getting fedex points guess what you're not on the pga tour next year suddenly all that's gone and equipment was a critical part of that because they understood how competitive and how close the whole group was and everybody was looking for that edge now they're guaranteed and they're not looking for that edge. So yeah. to your point, I think it's a fair one that, and, and I think also, to be honest, I, I don't even know if people are talking about equipment on the PGA tour right now. Everybody is in this kind of like almost gobsmacked every week is a new story. What's going to shake out on this? Is the PGA tour going to be relevant? Is live going to be relevant? Is there going to be a new world tour? Nobody knows how this is going to form. So I think equipment, unfortunately, has you know fallen down on the importance. Or a skeleton sitting at the bottom of the sea. Yeah. <laughs> and like even even to that like kind of like funny little bit about like what golfer like regular golfers understand. And those who have listened to me talk in the past, and you know I've already mentioned this on the podcast a number of times. Like my dad is a regular golfer, and you know, of all the funny things that, like, he needs to help, like, understand. And you would think, like, most golfers understand how to do this. But he just got a new golf bag. And I went over and, like, took my daughter and my parents have a nice, like, they have a pool in the backyard. And, you know, shout out to my parents. Like, you could heat it. That'd be really nice. But <laughs> we, went, we went over and we went swimming. And my, I, 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 my dad had his club set up in the bag as someone who would be, like, um, would be using a cart bag in a in a in a riding cart. So the clubs are at the at the technically bottom of the bag and then at the top they kind of cascade down. It's like what are you doing? It's like you realize like this like I look at this and like this is like driving me completely nuts. It's it like gear OCD is flaring oh, up. Oh, it's it like it, it in my brain I'm like how does this like how does it even compute to you, right? And like he's someone who like a long time ago had like an OGO Woody bag. You remember those? They were like it was all on the side. Uh, so I was like why don't we take a few seconds here? Let's set your let's reset your clubs up. Let's just take all of these out. Let's take everything Let me show out you where they need to go. Let's show you how it goes in cuz you are you're a walker, you use a push cart. We, we reconfigured everything. We, my daughter and I went for a swim. We like hung on the pool, made sure like she like we, by the time my dad got home from his round of golf and I asked him, I was like, really like really simply, like how was it getting your clubs in and out of your bag once they were reorganized? Because it was awesome. It's like, how do people not like can like regular golfers? How does this like you play golf for 20 years? How do you not know how to set your golf clubs up? Because this, no one has shown them. And this this is why this is why when it comes to equipment, I'm so I, I'm so passionate about helping regular golfers. Like it doesn't seem that big of a deal to set up a golf bag. 
right? But when you do, it becomes more convenient. But, and it's, when, but and it's when, the same thing about the golf swing. Most players don't know that if they lean their head, their body follows. Or that if they try to hit it like they're chopping wood with an axe and not using their lower body, that they're not maximizing their overall energy in their body. Unless somebody should... Things that we take as self-evident truths, if you don't show somebody but once you do and that's the magic of golf i think and especially in relation to equipment i uh i was playing one time with a guy to your point and uh we were 50 yards in he was about a 16 17 handicapper and he hit his pitching wedge and it rolled through the green and i looked at him and i said if you hit your sand wedge it's going to go a little higher and land a little softer and, um, you know, more than likely, and, you know, there was no one behind us. So I said, drop a ball and do it. He dropped it within 10 feet. He goes, you're allowed to do that. <laughs> the point being, and, and I don't begrudge this guy because it says S on it. He thinks it's only used in the sand. He doesn't yeah. have, it's one of the things that fascinates me about this game. And I always try to remind myself of this. So, we are in the inner sanctum of golf sickos, right? We get into this minutia of equipment. But if you go, and I, I'm like you, I play a lot of munis in places. Most people don't know the brand they're playing with. They don't know the flex they're playing with. And they don't know the loft of their, of their driver or their fairway wood. You're asking them questions. They're doing this for recreation. And... Um, a little bit of information goes a long way towards increasing enjoyment. And if you can communicate that information effectively, we live in this world where we think everybody is, you know, they understand the bounce and the radius and all of these technical terms. Most people don't know the difference between a sand wedge and a pitching wedge. And, and, and if you can describe those and show how that provides, to, to your point, like the chipper, hey, here's a club that, that will give you a little bit more enjoyment around the green. I think those tips go a long way. It's not about score. It's about enjoyment. This is recreation. It's about getting the player back and wanting to do it again. And if you can do that with equipment, so they hit two, maybe three better shots in a round, I think you've done your job. You've, you've, you've got a golfer who's now engaged and wants to play more golf. So let's shift the discussion to a couple of stories that we rolled out on the .com that highlight the importance of gear and let's start with one. So, so Gene and I, the, towards the end of last year, we shot some video after you ran some, some what we're calling robo test. And we've, this is a new series that we've had on golf.com this year. And this was an interesting one because I, I jokingly said on our Slack channel, you know, this, this, this story is either going to make you like incredibly depressed or, or want to just like throw your clubs in a trash can. So we, Try those to, are both bad things, yeah, by the way. Yeah, don't 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 do either one of those. But, <laughs> There's no but yeah, yeah, there are there are no positives here. But again, talking about where a stroke can make a world of difference on the professional circuit, we you know this game really is truly it, it's a game of inches, but I would say it's even a game of millimeters because if you look at what we did for for kind of the open and closed face on a driver. Ugh. Now this was one of those where even for me it was sobering. Now I got a, I got a glimpse into just how much even a millimeter out of center can magnify your misses when we did our initial robot testing with Kigos in mm -hmm. in South Korea. But this was a fun one because it's not even like we're moving it around the face. Gene ran the robot out of center strike impact with a ten and a half degree head. 95 miles an hour, which is not that fast. No. We're, we're talking That's average, as average we're talking about play. right now, yeah. average amateur golf swing yeah. speeds with a open and closed face, one and two degrees. And what we found out, which is if you assume that the average fairway is 40 yards wide, an open or closed face is going to have a 10 yard deviation, meaning if you're impacting center with a face that's one degree open or closed, it's going to result in the ball going 10 yards right or left of center. Then you just basically double that for two degrees. So now you're looking at it, you're going, well, hold on a second. 
So I'm hitting it out of the center, but my face is just slightly open or slightly closed. One or two degrees, which I don't even think the average golfer could probably tell the difference if their face was open a degree. Or do you two degrees. do you want to hear something even more depressing about it? <laughs> I mean, what, let's just get real. Let's all just right, make this a right, really depressing right, pause. Right, I'm sitting it. here; it's beautiful outside. <laughs> I'm looking over the bay, depressed. We have alcohol. We have alcohol. We're good. Call. We're good. We're good. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's go dark. Uh, so, what's really depressing about it? is I can't visually on the robot. So we have a gauge on the robot that I can open or close the face. I can't visually see one or two degrees. Yep. I have to hit a shot and look at the launch monitor and see if I was open or closed. I cannot visually, you can't visually see one have, or two degrees. I have a very nerdy question for you because yes. I've never I've never seen this process and it actually has me very interested in like being able to witness this firsthand. We should, probably should have been doing it at my test site as yeah. opposed to here, but this is a little enjoyable. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a little bit better. Alcohol's here. But when you, when you are when you are going through the process of setting up the robot, yeah. do you is the robot clamped into the shaft via a grip? Yes. No, so or so is it, it is it hooked into the shaft without a grip? No, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's a, it's a full process. swing. It's a full swing club. So the club is assembled as normal. We have a, uh, a clamshell gripper that we have two bolts that clamp down on it to present uh, to resist uh, twisting. And it's it's really in it's interesting that you bring that up because there's been criticisms about robot testing because of that because we uh, some of the criticisms. Which I don't know, to be honest, if they're true or not, but I'm just throwing them out there, is that we clamp too rigidly, that it's not human-like. The problem, though, is if we clamp loosely, um, after one shot, we don't get the repetition. So yeah. we need to clamp um, in order to make sure that the club doesn't twist in the machine. I, I think the... The one, the one thing that I've seen through like human fitting, like when it comes to like club fitting with like people, is the idea that every time they set up, they they set up very they. It's like we say if like if you're throwing like from a from a scientific um, method from a scientific method perspective, right? If you think of like throwing darts at a dartboard. If you're missing four inches right of center every single time, you are extremely consistent, but you're not accurate. Yes. Right? Yes. There is a difference between consistency and accuracy. Yes. And if you can be extremely consistent, that is part of the scientific method of testing. Yes. So if you are able to create consistency through grip pressure or consistency through the style of grip, that to me is more important than the... The, the 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 overall method because you are delivering the golf club the same way every single time right like that's I've I, I'm talking I'm talking like grade eight science class no, no, here no, no, like no, no, and I, no, I've no, always it, visualized it, it, that, it is, that, that and, it's, and it's a fair criticism so let me let me take it to another level uh, we can take a forty five gram uh, ladies flex just say for example and swing it at ninety eight hundred miles an hour. And dial the robot in and get a pretty decent spray pattern. Probably not as close as we'd get, say, with an X-Flex. But consistency-wise, pretty consistent. Um, you're not going to see, except for players that have exceptional hand-eye coordination, the same results in player testing. And the reason being, the consistency of the robot is going to mask the challenges that a player has with that same club. Super lightweight, super flexible, and now all of a sudden it's only the best hand-eye coordination players. But what's interesting about that is, uh, and I don't know if we talked about this on the last pod or not, but some of these long-hitting players, and I know this because I've talked to Bryson about this, they're playing regular flex shafts. Bryson is, you know, some of his flexes for his 140 mile an hour swing are regular flex shafts, which is just so mind boggling. But Bryson has some of the best hand eye coordination on the planet, so he's able to deliver a regular flex shaft in the timing. You give that normally to, say, a long drive player, and they're going to be all over the place. So 
there are uh, limitations to what a robot can do in regard to translating directly to especially player fitting, but it's the best that we can do in a controlled environment to be able to give that. But one of the things that I've learned through the process is I understand where the strengths of a machine are and where the weaknesses are, for example. And, and that's where I, what I was trying to get to in, in my point of like a 15 handicap delivers the golf club remarkably consistently, but they deliver it in a very inefficient way consistently. Yeah. And that's where the fitting process and as as you know, as I wrote, I, I wrote a piece for golf. I was just about to say we're going to get right into, into this, the, this guide about adjustable uh, drivers. I, I created the ultimate guide for adjustable drivers, and this relates to any brand of any any golf club that you're going to find that offers adjustable weighting and adjustable hosel. Is how to dial those in for your golf swing because every golfer is going to see a consistent problem, whether it be an I I kind of dialed it down to like four problems hit it too high too low hit it too right or too left for a right-handed golfer that was the kind of general configuration that i created and so with that you you dial in your settings regardless of what oem you're using and all of a sudden you should see an improvement because going back to what i mentioned earlier was i can think of years ago playing at a, my local muni which is across, literally across the street from my house, hooking up with four guys who are out there, regular golfers, probably 15 to 20 handicaps. And I asked them, I was like, after a couple holes, have you ever adjusted your driver? No, I got it for a Father's Day gift. No, I got it for a birthday gift. And I'm like, I have a wrench in my bag. Do you guys mind if I like just do a couple like quick little like wrench turns? Click, 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 click. Holy moly, I've never... Yeah, guys, that's why they're on the freaking golf club. Like, they give you this access to adjustability that was never even, like, available to PGA Tour players 20 years ago. Oh, you own you own seven or eight drivers in your bag. That's what's so wild about it. Maybe 12. I mean, with depending on the adjustability. And to your point, and I agree wholeheartedly, and actually to preview, that's a story we're talking about in the future, yep. is to be able to quantify that. But uh, what is interesting about the machine, back to your consistency standpoint, is I can duplicate your exact delivery conditions with your gamer. And then what I can tell you is, on an efficiency scale where you're at, you at 70% or you at 85% or you at 98%. And then what I can do is if we keep the shaft constant, I can switch out heads and show you what a draw biased head is if you're playing uh, a slice a little bit and, and actually be able to quantify that. So we do have that ability um, because when I designed the machine, God, this is depressing, about 30 years ago, what I realized was there were no standards in this industry, and rightfully so, because every golfer swings slightly differently. Now, you can put golfers in buckets, but at the end of the day, we all have a unique uh, signature as far as how we swing a golf club. And because of that, and that's the beauty and madness of equipment, is there is no one specific piece of equipment that fits all. Equipment has to be tailored to the individual swing to be optimized. I think in this highlights, again, we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast, it highlights the importance of getting fit for your gear. Because RB, as you mentioned, you know, golfers buy, weekend golfers buy these five and $600 drivers. And I would contend that 90% of them probably don't know exactly how to use the... Let's kick that up to 99. I mean, well, I'm tr I, was I, was, I was trying to get some guys a little bit the benefit of the doubt here. But yes, it, it is majority of the golfers that don't know how to use the settings. They don't know how to use... They don't know how to use the loft settings. They don't know how to use the adjustable weighting. They, they leave it... I mean, I can't tell you how many... And, I, and I'll ask you guys too, if you agree or disagree... I can't tell you the last time I actually walked up because I, I actually pull head covers off when I play with other guys because I just want to see. I mean, I'm, I'm a gear sicko, so I want to know what they're playing. I want to know, are they adjusting their driver? And if so, how do they have it set up? And then I will ask questions. 
I'll say, hey, what, what's your typical miss? Because I just want to know, do, do they have it set up in the way that it should be set up? Is it opposite of what it should be? Because that, I think that's the beauty of this game is, is we're, all, we're all trying to get better. But I feel like sometimes we, we don't use the equipment as it should be used. And so we're paying $500 for a driver that just isn't even doing what it's, what it's capable of doing. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys a funny story that I probably shouldn't tell, but I'm three beers in, so I'm gonna yeah, tell it. Say, well, let's, let's go. <laughs> I'll wake up in the morning with buyer's remorse for this one. So, uh, uh, a certain company I'm I'm gonna actually be diplomatic on this one and not name names, but a certain company we just need to give Gene another beer and I'll give, I'll give the name. <laughs> a certain company came out with a certain adjustable driver many years ago that revolutionized adjustability in drivers. And a certain media company started reaching out to them because this company started winning with these drivers. And so every week they would contact the marketing department and go, what was the setup on that driver? Standard, standard, standard. These are tour players. Yeah. Next week, what was the setup on the winning driver? Standard, standard, standard. And and after the third or fourth week, this certain company stopped responding to this media company because they realized even the tour players, once they got it dialed in, they didn't yeah. want to screw with it. Yeah. They wanted to keep it the same. So it, it's funny. It's not only, to, not only amateurs, it's tour players, but... To both of your points, what's fascinating to me is you're on the range, and we all do it. We go out, and for whatever reason, we just can't get the ball off the deck that day, or we're we're hitting it too high, our backs, or whatever. And if you've got somebody, and you go, hey, give me your wrench, and you dial it down one or two degrees, and they look at you and go, they hit a couple balls, and they go, what did you just do there? You know, it's like it, it's witchcraft. Yeah, it's total witchcraft. And <laughs> I love and, that. and and and. and it's uh I'll be honest uh I I look all the time at the OEM's websites and I look at their guides for adjustability I don't understand them I I swear there's Thank there's you. a certain amount of complexity Thank you. and I, and and so once again cuz I'm a couple beers in I'm probably going to be you know ostracized from the community you're out but I'm convinced that part of it is they don't want the average can, the average golfer to understand it as easily. They want to go to a fitter or a PGA pro to to require that because but I don't, because I, don't I look hate at that. it and, no I know but it's just I think personally it should be much simpler because I, so I was I was testing a driver one time a new driver about five six years ago that a that a media company sent me. And I had to call the media company because I didn't understand the designate. You know, it was like a circle or a half circle and a minus and a plus and all these crazy symbols and things. And I had no idea that this adjusted triangle and this and it, it it can be simpler than it is. So that's kind of my criticism a little bit to the OEM. Some of them do a good job and they just go. It's plus a it's one, a very fair one. criticism though. You're not you're not throwing anybody under the bus. I've felt for a long time that that the OEMs should do a better job of informing how to use their drivers when it, when it comes to the adjustable versions, because I mean, the little piece of paper that comes with the wrench with a, with a lot of these drivers doesn't give you a lot of info. And, and that was kind of the idea of like the piece that I recently wrote was like to completely simplify it was you will see higher, lower, right or left on these, on the hosels and you, from a just from a physical orientation standpoint, you can know is the weight closer to the face, is it away from the face, is it towards the toe or towards the heel, and that to me is like the most important element of what helps golfers dial in their equipment. And totally agree. Like to your point, even like to give an example, like I don't currently I'd like to have one. I don't have like a high end launch monitor to to go through the process of testing my equipment so what i do is i look at ball flight and I look at ball speed those are my those are my those are my two most important elements when i'm on the range at my home muni golf course looking at what's going to work for me and I, my driver's dialed in every other golf club in my bag is dialed in the one club i've struggled with is my three wood so i've looked at and i 
again, to be very honest, I've used models that are two to three years old now when it comes to my three wood. And there's nothing wrong with that, though. I mean, we've talked about that before. Well, yeah, three woods are once you find something you like, a lot of golfers won't change out three woods on a on a more regular basis. Before. Yeah, and again, so like, so for me, I've I've brought like a couple different models out with a couple different shafts with different OEM. Uh, adapters attached to them and I'm looking at ball speed and I'm looking at consistency of, of strike on the club face because what that means is the shaft is working for my delivery to deliver the club head in a consistent manner and so I'm on the range and all of a sudden I have a, of a, of a club head that's working very well with a shaft that is at this point I think eight or nine years old full disclosure and I am ripping this thing for myself, I a five handicap that plays inconsistently, but for me, it's working very well. And I know that that is what's going to work in my bag because I'm looking at the numbers. The ball speed is good with a mix of range balls and good golf balls that are striped. Look, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is, is, is understand and compartmentalize what the regular golfer sees when they have their own equipment out in the range. I am you. I am the regular golfer trying to understand what's going to work best for me. And when all these things come together, I've got new heads. I've got old heads. I've got sh club heads and shafts that are, you know, high end and, and some stuff that's considered relatively low end or used. And at the end of the day, the combo that worked for me is a, is a, is a three wood that is a couple of years old with a shaft that is eight years old. And all of a sudden, boom, this is the combo that's, that's working the best. So right now, if you go to the golf course, you would happen to play with me and you roll out, you're like, really, this guy's playing that? And like, yeah, because that's what's working the most consistently. But it's also because I understand how all of these adjustability aspects work with these golf clubs. And I think that is still where the average weekend golfer struggles. That's, where, that's why I created this like ultimate guide for understanding just relative weight positioning within the club head regardless of OEM regardless of the hosel setting you can see plus or minus and you can go to the OEM website and figure that stuff out but the goal is to create the simplest form of understanding because all I want the reason I am here is to help you the listener get the most out of your equipment that's it and it, it sounds silly but I've been doing this for 15 years all I want you to do is is come back to me after you've talked to me or you've listened to this or I've seen you in my direct messages on Instagram or Twitter and say that actually worked and I played better. And that is the that is literally the most satisfying thing that I can get when I do my job is knowing that other golfers have benefited from something that I have put out there in hopes that you have played better golf. So I I would I would use a comparison We've all got cameras on our phones, right? How often do you screw with the settings on the camera on your phone when you take a picture? That's a bad question to ask me because I mess with the aspect ratio all the time. There he goes. He just had to be the fly in the ointment. <laughs> of course. He had to be the outlier. He's the, one in, he's the one in ten. Yeah. No, he's the one in a thousand. This guy got a loft lie machine for Christmas <laughs> at 16. So, all right. You're not allowed to answer this question. Wait, all, all so, I do is, Jonathan. Yeah. The answer is never, Gene. The answer is never. That's what I was looking for. All I all I do is I change the four to three ratio you're out, you're to out. the sixteen to you're nine not allowed, ratio. You're not allowed to you're answer this anymore. Sorry, <laughs> but the point is, there's an incredible amount of technology built into the camera that most people do not use. They don't change the sepia. They don't change, you know, the aspect ratio. No offense. They don't change. They might zoom in or zoom out, and that's about as much as they do. But these. Uh, these companies that build these phones spend an insane amount of effort to to provide uh, almost SLR quality to a uh, a camera on your phone. It's the same thing with the equipment manufacturers. They do an amazing job of providing all this technology, but if you're not guided and if you're not shown it, then and so your guide is uh, is is very well taken from my perspective. The key is simplicity. As long as, you know, we often think of golfers as these like all knowing beings that are going to be so dialed into all the physics and the, and the technical aspects of equipment. 
they're going out and doing what we're doing, drinking beer. They're just playing golf as they're doing it, and they don't want to have to think too much about their equipment. Exactly to your point, and I, I completely and under and I always use like different analogies, like different equipment or different things, different industries that I'm involved in, or different things that I enjoy using, right? And one of the most perfect examples would be like speaking to cameras. I own a DSLR camera. I bought a kit. So it came with this, this specific lens, and I have two settings that I use. I have the automatic setting, which just goes, okay, stupid, just send it to me and take pictures and you'll be okay. And then the other one, which is the one that I use mostly when taking pictures of equipment, is the priority setting. So it like, it prioritizes whatever's I'm trying to focus on within the middle of like the, the focal point of the camera. And those are the two things that honestly, I know how to work. That's it. And this camera has, probably an infinite number of settings when it comes to shooting video and shooting different things and using different lenses. But I've got a kit lens. I set it to automatic. I set it to priority. And you know what? As an, as a complete idiot, when it comes to using a high end camera or a higher end camera, not nothing that is like on the extreme end of like cinematography, but I know what works for me. And I can relate when I talk to a golfer that says, I just keep my driver at like a standard setting because they don't understand. And it's like if you can just convey a little bit of information to that person in whatever it happens to be, they are going to benefit a huge amount. And that's why, like myself, I, I research YouTube videos to understand my own camera settings a little bit more. I know a lot of golfers aren't going to do that, but that's my job. My job is to help give that information in the easiest way possible so they can go to the golf course and – one of the things that I always think about when I, I think about what I do and, and how I convey information is you're not just fitting one golfer, you're fitting the three other golfers that are with them. Because it's most likely that golfer is playing with golfers that or players that are within their same category, within their same handicap, potentially the same div delivery parameters that they are having. So you're not fitting one, you're not educating one golfer, you're educating four golfers. So once that one guy learns that, hey, I can adjust my driver to hit it straighter, and they go, dude, Bob is hitting it 20 yards further. What the heck did Bob do to his driver? All of a sudden, Bob shows Stan, Steve, and, and Joe how to adjust their drivers. All of a sudden, you have four more educated golfers within the ecosystem who potentially go out and educate four more, three more golfers in their group. And it's just this like exponential down the line like conveying of information. And that is the overall goal. I'm still an idiot using a camera, but I'm going to go find a YouTube video or an article so I can figure out those settings and do a little bit better. And for me, my job is to help, hopefully, if I can get one golfer to understand the settings on their driver, they are going to educate three more golfers. And at the end of the day, you've got four more golfers that are going to play better golf. All right. We've, we've educated a lot of weekend golfers, but I do want to – touch on a couple of tour stories that went up on the site this week. First and foremost, now I, I likened this to the guys that may have worn Michael Jordan's, the Air Jordans back in, in Jordan's heyday. Scotty Scheffler also wears Tiger Woods' signature shoes on the course. But this might be a first for me. Uh, Tom Kim, he was on a... What's in the bag post for the Titleist Instagram account? And he revealed that he uses the exact same stamping on his wedges as Justin Thomas. Why? So say, okay, okay, so it's, I, it's kind of interesting, though, because... Is he his hero or something like So that? he did. He said he's a huge fan of JT. And he said, obviously, his wedge game is incredible. I saw it a couple of years uh and ago, and I thought that's what I need as well. He needed the same wedge stamping radar, which that's Justin Thomas's nickname. So to me, it's like if somebody, if like, let's just use Jordan because I'm because I, I was a huge Jordan fan. Let's just say Jordan had Air Jordan on his on his wedges, stamped on his wedges. Like somebody's like, oh man, I love Air Jordan, so I'm gonna have Air Jordan. Maybe it's not such a big deal because Air Jordans are are like it's a global brand, but. Like the radar on the wedges is kind of interesting, though. Like he's admitting he's a huge JT fan, um, and Justin got the nickname back in when he was in school because he was just absolutely flagging it 
over and over and over again with his wedges, and so they, they nicknamed him Radar. But JT's been using it with success, and I guess another guy on tour goes, you know what, man? I like that. I like Radar. I like the fact that, you know, again, he's a fan of JT. He likes what the Radar meaning is, like that it's flagging it. And, oh, by the way, Tom Kim shoots 63 on Sunday at Rocket Mortgage. <laughs> And he claims his PGA Tour card for next season. So, as I said in the story, maybe the, maybe the radar mojo is real. But it is kind of interesting, though, because I don't think I've ever heard of another Tour pro stamping another guy's nickname on their wedges. I've definitely never, ever heard of that. The only time that I can think of any type of, of equivalent would be like a style of stamping that is used on wedges. Um, yeah, I mean that's that seems way more common. Yeah, and but like to, to use like a like an actual like I know the shoes comparison is a good one yep. or like apparel is a good like a good comparison, but the actual like straight to the nickname is like very unusual. But again, hey, you gotta you gotta roll with what's working. I can think of myself like I I remember sending a, a message to Aaron Dill. I kind of tag I just tagged him in a post when I had done my wedges because. When I was working at TXG before, somebody where I worked with was like, "Can you can you do my wedges?" Because like you know, full shout out to the crew in the back shop who were like building golf clubs. They were very busy, so I was like, "Yeah, just like I'll take them home. I'll throw them on my anvil, and like as long as you don't mind, like I might mess them up. Like I'll happily do them." And I wrote them in like the dots. Like Aaron does like this really cool thing with like the radar, and you see this. Like he does the dot. I posted it, it on the story. It, it looks like a like a cursive writing, but it's actually awesome. every single th- every single line is like this little dot tracing. And I did I did my kids' names on my sixty degree wedge like that, and I did like a little sunshine and whatever, because um, I was just messing around because. I like having fun with my wedge. That's that's the whole point of like to me like wedge damming is all about fun. It's all about creativity, and so I did that with my kids' names. And Aaron was like, "Man, that's really cool." I said, "Well, like you're the reason I did it. Like your your inspiration for the style that you do, right?" And you think of like like we're in San Diego. Like there's a lot there's a lot of artists around. There's all kinds of stuff going around. Like think of like Banksy, like the stencil street art. People go, oh, it's a Banksy. It's like, no, it's like Banksy created the style, but like lots of artists do it, right? Right. So to think of like a nickname or like, but the nickname is very unique. Like to just like straight up go, I want that nickname on my wedges is like, you know, hey, you got to do what you got to do. And hey, if you're going to secure a tour card, by all means. As I say, he's got his tour card now. Whatever's going to work, it's going to work. Yeah. Well, Other guys are now going to follow suit. Well, the, the, the interesting thing to me is kind of back to the live discussion we were talking about. These guys are all assassins, right? Because they're all individual contractors. So they all – you watch a, a, a PGA or a live – maybe live's a little different. I haven't been to a live driving range yet. But if you watch these guys – a lot of times they barely acknowledge each other or, you know, some friendships and everything. They're out there to cut the other guy's throat. I mean, it, and it's and it's like to pay tribute, it just goes against the ethos of the community. <laughs> it really you does. Know? And, the, and, the, and the community is, yeah, I'll be nice with you. I'll have a beer. But when you hit one into the shit, I'm not even blinking because <laughs> I'm smiling on the inside because – you've destroyed your round and I'm going to beat you because they're there other than the Ryder cup and the president's cup, there are no teams in this, in this, it is all the individuals. And so it's very rare, even though everybody's had heroes and, and especially these younger generations, you see about them idolizing tiger, but as soon as they get out there, it's all business because they want to beat tiger just because Lord knows tiger had idols and he wanted to beat them. And, that's the way the game goes. So on one hand, I find it refreshing. On the other hand, it's just, it'll be interesting to see if, if he becomes competitive and that changes because at some point or another, you just don't want to be beholden or honoring anybody because you don't want to be walking up 18 tied with them in awe of them. And you have to believe in this game that you can beat anybody and that you have the skill set and you have to have an ego that matches that, that means I am my own person. I'm not following another golfer. Now, Gene, speaking of being your own person and being your own golfer, the one thing that is very important for everybody out there is to have the grip that matches their own game. 
Oh my God! And I didn't even see, look see at this. this one coming. It happened in person. That is such a we, pro move. We finally did it Jay in person. Wall, you, 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 you're seeing this in person. You have I'm much gonna, to I'm learn. Off the side of <laughs> Gene's outdoor patio. I can't. I can't handle this, RB. He is so good at this. I'm sorry I stepped all over your like. Let's start over again. <laughs> but what I'm saying is. When it comes to making sure that you are fit for your own game, we talked a lot about equipment today, but the only connection you have between you and your golf club is your grip. And if you're looking for the softest grip in golf, it is going to be the CPX grip from Golf Pride, which is the softest all rubber grip available right now in the market. Now, one of the things that separates the CPX from other grips on the market is the exo diamond pattern and what that is is if you think about you know back when you were a kid you ride your bmx bike you've had that that soft grip that like you know the ins and outs these the, the peaks and the valleys that are within this this compound what that does is it creates this vibration dampening system and the cpx has that so you have these peaks you have these valleys built within the grip and not only that but on top of it you have this soft compound which helps reduce vibration and when it comes to reduced vibration that allows you to play longer without fatigue within your hands not only if you are someone with say arthritis or some type of difficulty with gripping the golf club but just a regular golfer who wants to practice more you're going to feel less fatigue in your grip when you are hitting golf balls on the range working on your game looking to play better golf and if you are if you're struggling with your hands feeling pain when you're going to the range, you're out on the, out on the golf course, you are going to get that relief from using the Golf Pride you're CPX. You're ridiculous. So, if you're looking for more information, <laughs> you can go to golfpride.com, check out the CPX grip, and again, if you're looking for a soft grip for a hard game, the CPX grip is the way to go. So check that out at golfpride.com or your local Golf Pride retailer for more information. Okay, okay. I just have to do a moment here and interject for all of our listeners at home that do not have the video. That was done without any cue cards. Without, no, he just riffed. No, he no just laptop. riffed on that. That was a pro move. You are like a savant, my man. Well played. <laughs> The thing is, and I say I say this without any other context. Are we going into the next one? We're, go- we're no, no, no. We're not. There's no more. There's no more ad reads here. But what? At least what, not from him. Not from me. But when it comes to understanding like golf grips, I think that's the, that's the that is something that a lot of golfers really misunderstand, and that's why you know when we talk about them and we talk about the CPX as an example. And this isn't. This is not part of the ad read here, folks. Yes, the, it is. <laughs> like I, I'm a cord grip guy. If anyone, if anyone's curious, like I use either a Golf Pride like Tour Velvet or I use a cord grip because I like less torque. I like something that's going to feel firm in my hands. I don't mind my hands getting a little ripped up from using the grip that I use. But I also know that there are people that are out there and they're like they struggle with discomfort. They struggle with something that's going to like. I never want golf to be hard for people to go out and play, right? If I think of like, I think of like different activities that I do and I don't enjoy doing them, but I'm, I have to do them anyways, right? Golf is something that should be fun. And when it comes to like putting a golf grip in someone's hands that maybe a core grip and they're a beginner golfer, I can think back to like times when I was going through the golf Smith, which doesn't even exist anymore, club building and club fitting program shout out golf smith austin texas folks austin texas um i know i can think of jeff sheets oh jeff's an old friend of mine Je- if it wasn't for jeff i wouldn't be sitting here right now really i wow. I, I mean that he is i still got his i got his email i talked to him once a year he is someone that i he he does not i don't i bet you jeff does not realize the impact his his kindness and his ability to communicate with me as like a teenage kid had to the point where I am here to this day. And I, I mean that with all Jeff's Jeff's one of the greatest 
guys in the industry. I started working with him back when he was with Founders Club in the nineties. The and, old two hundred uh, forged like blades and stuff. All uh, oh, the yeah. cool and, stuff. Founders and, Club had some legends. Oh, yeah. They had Bokey. Oh, Bokey. That was like Bokey's first job. So I work with I work with both Bob and Jeff. They would come down on the polo fields and I'd do testing with them. And uh Two of the nicest, most humble guys you've ever met and just genuine individuals and uh, just people that I'm proud to call friends and, and had the opportunity to work with over the years, without a doubt. I, I to, to give you my little Jeff Sheet story, I was, I'm not, I'm not, I don't use this as like a brag kind of like thing. It was just like something that happened. But like when I went through the Goldsmith club training program, I was the youngest person to ever go through it because I was a, cause you had a loft fly machine at 16. I had a loft machine when I was 16 years old. I was the, I was the guy that all I wanted to do was learn more about building golf clubs. And when I went down there and, and Bill Totten, who was someone who taught their like club, who worked in the club building program as well, who went through that. And Jeff, Listen to like every single stupid little brainy thing that I had, the question that I had, and Bill was someone who, who wrote letters of recommendation when it came to like being a teenager and like applying to big box golf stores, which at this point in my career seems like the dumbest, stupid, silliest little thing, but I still have those letters because what they mean to me as like an individual, and for what what Jeff has done for the golf industry, and a lot of people don't realize this, and then like. If you've ever seen the poster of all of those, and you're a John, you're a Texas guy, so like when it comes to Hogan stuff, I would say Jeff. Jeff helped. He like his hands, his fingerprints were on two of the most iconic irons that Hogan ever created. You got the Apex Blades in '99, bingo, and you've got the Apex Plus. Which, I mean, if you, if you're a Hogan guy, those those are irons where you're like, oh hell yeah, I remember those, and I probably have a set still have a set or I had a set. I mean that that's those those are classic those are classic blades and cavity backs that I mean that's that's what Hogan was known if, for. If you ever if you Google like Hogan blades and you see this like and he I, I know it's on his website a one megapixel camera of like every single one of the Hogan irons in history on like that original poster that you see with a black background Jeff Sheets took every single one of those photos and incorporated those designs into the Hogan 50th anniversary blade, the Apex blade. And those are his. So, and, and I know you wrote something on him as well. Um, so Jeff was the one who helped with the designing process of that. And then Mike at, at Hogan as well. Um, he helped create those blanks. And for those, why am I, why, Mike, uh, why am I blanking on the name of that? Mike Taylor? Mike Taylor, yes, exactly. I don't Mike why, T. Mike T. I don't know it's why. you're well, drinking. He's, that's he's, why. I couldn't, I couldn't blank, I he's like Mike, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like Mike, Mike, uh, Mike Taylor. Is, Mike Taylor from Nike. Like, Mike Taylor is the guy whose hands created those products. Jeff created the design. Mike Taylor's hands created those products. And that is, those are the, those are the names that people don't realize we Resin. go on a rabbit hole there because you go back to Impact Golf with Tom Stites oh, yeah. oh, and, Mike, oh, yeah. and Mike T. I oh, mean, yeah. it's, there there are some legends that were part of companies that a lot of golfers out there are probably thinking, like, who? what the hell are they talking about? Well, yeah, and it's like we talked about Hopeflicked. Uh, yeah, for Nick And his contributions um, to the Iron Game. And, and Sheets is another one that, is not a common name, but people in the industry really have a high degree of respect for his design capability. And uh, I, 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 I've said this, and you know, I've talked to Jeff many times. I've talked to him probably once, twice a year. I wouldn't be here without Jeff Sheets because of like his ability to communicate and understand and like teach. That's one of the things that I've I've always tried to incorporate into like what I do, and. I've been building golf clubs since I was 15, 16 years old. And, and, you know, people ask like, do you ever like, do you ever see when you like teach somebody, no, the goal is to mentor. Like the goal is to help people get better. Like if you don't teach other people to do something, you're, you holding onto information isn't helping other people. It's just selfish. And 
Jeff was someone who took on the Golfsmith club building program. Him and Bill Totten, again, someone who I've mentioned in the past. Like those people taught me and they taught a lot of other individuals. It would be it would be disrespectful for me to just say like, oh yeah, I'm going to hold on to all this information and never like pass this on to people because that's not helpful to the end consumer. That's not helpful to the golfer. Like, Well, well it's, it's like what we talked about with uh, the customizable aspects of a, of a driver you you can either simplify things and share things or you can hold on to things and make yourself more important and those who try to make things mysterious or complicated generally want to have a little bit more of an inflated self sense about themselves than those who want to share and you, you you can find that with fitters with teachers those who overly complicate things sometimes you want to be a little wary of because the reality is yeah it's a complicated process of swing a golf club is a complicated thing but you can also explain those in simplistic terms that can provide enjoyment for players like we've talked about which is the end goal of this game overall exactly i I couldn't have said it better so we went we went a lot deeper on a lot of these topics than I expected for this week, which is great. Shocker. I know, shocker. That usually happens when we all get together. We're actually live sitting I here. I mean, this is the first time I've met RB. So, I know. It I is mean, in person. You know, live and this, in person. This, this Zoom crap gets a little old after a yeah. while. Yeah. I know Sh- I, sharing a beer with someone is much more civilized. And we'll, have, we'll have to try and do this a little, a little bit more frequently. And now that we're getting closer to club tests, I think we probably will. But we'll save... I'm going to holster. I had a couple of really good mailbag questions for this week. I'll holster them for next week. We'll also holster. RB had a chance to interview wedge guru Roger Cleveland. We've been trying to get to that interview. Roger's awesome. Love talking wedges with him. He had a lot of fun insights for RB. So we will get to that next week. Um, But I cannot forget that this week's episode of Floyd Cooped is brought to you by our good friends at Global Golf. And they're all about you campaign. It is the three-prong approach of the you try, you trade in, and you select programs. The you try lets you try brand new clubs in tech for two weeks. Where, when, and how you want. If you love it, keep it. If you don't, send it back. You trade in provides the easiest way to help you get what's new for less, offering the best value for your gear where you receive a credit towards your next purchase. And the you select is where they link you up with a PGA professional who helps you find the best gear for your game. If you want to learn more about the you try, you trade in, and you select programs that are part of the All About You campaign through Global Golf, go check it out on globalgolf.com. And with that, I think it'll do it for episode 151 of Fully Equipped. We totally forgot to even mention that last week was 150. We've done 150 episodes of Fully Equipped. And I got to say thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast every week. We jokingly say that, you know, it's it's a micro niche pod. You know, golf is a niche sport. We're talking about gear. But I got to say, we receive tons of great DMs every week. A lot are very complimentary. Some not so much, but most of them are, are very That's because you added me to the big sets. Well, I think, I think I've added a couple of people that have, that have upped the, the animosity a, a little bit, but thank you again for listening. And we will have some info on TSR because you and I are, are making that trip. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. We've got, we've got some like TSI product that I brought with. I brought some 910 product with me. I brought my TSI head with me. Just for fun. And, uh, you know, speaking to the audience and speaking to everybody, you know, if if you've tuned in to Fully Equipped on Instagram, which I am very thankful for, we're going to continue to do, I did this week, a a Q&A using the the question box on Instagram. Give them the Instagram handle if they don't already know it. Uh, Fully Equipped. It's at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. There we go. And at fully underscore equipped on Twitter. All right. So if you if you haven't tuned into that, I, I continue to share my own personal account as well as on there. The goal is to create education. So this past week I did a, a Q&A. I tried to answer as many questions as possible. I'm going to continue to try and do that once a week because it is a lot of fun. I think it's going it's to be a lot f- of work too for RB. It, 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 <laughs> there's a lot of questions God to be bless answered. You, buddy. Um, hey, flow them over here as well. I mean, you know. I think I think there there's there's potential for a lot of these questions to end up on the podcast because there they are very specific questions to golfers, but these very specific questions are, are questions that we see from a lot of players. And in general, 
when the goal is is education all of these things add up to helping more golfers play better golf and that's why we do them that's why we add them to what what's part of our repertoire of of social media so we're going to continue to do them and i hope you continue to tune in because it is a lot of fun to do them it is a lot of time but i mean a lot of a lot of these questions force me to do sometimes a little bit of research just to make sure that i, I relay the right information and i think that's that's the most important element is because i'm not here to bs anybody my goal is to deliver the most amount of information possible and that's why we do what we do and the best ad reads in the business. Uh, without a <laughs> doubt, right. hands down. Well, with that, let's get RB and Coach to a baseball game. Thanks as all for listening. We'll see you around. <laughs> <laughs>